Hello everyone. Hope you all are doing well. I'm Anurag Bhaskar Bhatta, Managing Marketing at Network Intelligence. I welcome you all to today's live Q&A session with our founder and CEO, KK Mukhi. Hi, KK. Hey, hi, Anurag. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Great, great. So without any further ado, let's dive in right into the session and start with the first question. Sure. So with over 20 years experience in cybersecurity across various customers and verticals, what are some of the major inflection points that you have seen? Um, yeah, I mean, there are few that come to mind. There's, of course, the time when we started, which was in 2001, uh, which was basically the dot-com bust. And uh, many people said this is the worst time to start a business. Uh, but you know, when when one has decided to start, then you get going anyway. Um, but there, there were some good stuff that came out from that. One was access to talent. So a few of my college mates who didn't um, who were not able to join the companies that had given them offer letters because though that joining was delayed, uh, joined me, and that's how I, I could get started. And and some of them stayed on. Uh, for quite some time with the company, even when they had the opportunity to go uh, back to larger IT firms. Uh, so that's one that I can recall. Then, of course, 2008, which was the global financial crisis, was a big inflection point. Uh, we actually saw more business coming our way because companies started to look away from the traditional big firms and explore uh, working with uh, smaller companies like ours. Mm -hmm. um, Another major inflection point was when uh, the Reserve Bank of India came out with its cybersecurity framework that really uh, propelled uh, banks and financial institutions to start taking cybersecurity very seriously. Um, and then also um, demonetization, though I'm not a fan of the move and I have criticized it multiple times. Uh, but for our business, it was quite beneficial because suddenly there was this onrush of um, digital payment channels and companies and mobile wallets and and you know all of that um, the transaction volume of card payments increased uh, and so on and so forth so that obviously brought a lot of cyber security um, components along with it Correct. and we benefited because of that and of course I would say right now the pandemic is definitely a, another major inflection point. Correct. So as you rightly said that uh, inflection points, uh, many opportunities have come from many problems actually. And yes. unfortunately, COVID-19 global pandemic has also uh, brought in some opportunities. So let's go to our next question. What would be the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity as a business in the coming future? So for people on the outside, you know, it seems like we would be rolling in cash right now you know like our business would be a scene from narcos or something but it's not because uh, cyber security has always uh, suffered from more hype than uh, than real money uh, and in some ways rightly so because you know uh, the core business of a company is in cyber security uh, there's there's other things to do and other operations and processes to run and often cyber security is is a hindrance or a hurdle to getting the job done um, but having said that, in the current pandemic situation, there is an increased concern uh, amongst companies about data security. Um, in my view, uh, cybersecurity will pick up. 
it will do well the short term mm-hmm. impact is negative no doubt as for all companies uh, but the long term impact is definitely going to be far more uh, positive um the short term impact is negative because you know companies are struggling for survival right now many organizations are struggling for survival right now and so uh, you know when it comes to things like building a cyber security strategy or improving your policies and procedures this is stuff that can wait uh, so they're not likely to start spending on on all of this but uh, you know the, the bread and butter of uh, of data protection which is the managed security services security testing um you know protection from ransomware protection from phishing attacks that's all uh, that's all all going for us so uh, right now we're just focused on on weathering the storm and then uh, you know hopefully when calmer uh, weather prevails then uh, we we will uh, be in a position to uh, benefit from that correct so uh, as more and more offices are going remotely uh so it i guess it gives more opportunity to cyber security firms around the world yeah you know i mean there is an interesting take that i have on it which is that suddenly companies are very concerned about their employees productivity and uh, uh you know what the data that employees have access to and my view on this is that you know we should not suddenly become uh, untrust we should not start distrusting our employees just because they're sitting you know a few kilometers away from where they used to sit previously so it's not that employees are suddenly going to go rogue because they are uh, working from home uh, but the bigger threat is from um, you know uh, the 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 nuts and bolts of cybersecurity like for example patching uh, could get hindered because network bandwidth is not that great you know uh, and you've got to push patches over the vpn um, um, you know uh, if you've not already controlled your endpoints people could end up installing a uh, software which could create a backdoor into your network uh, if you've given people local admin rights if your employees have local admin rights if you haven't controlled usb access already then yes there is inadvertent leakage of data that can always happen and then of course if your uh, uh, administrators do not log in using multi factor authentication uh, then there is a major risk that you're living with so those sorts of situations have to be addressed but i think we should refrain from suddenly uh doubting our employees integrity and 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 commitment you know in terms of uh, protecting our data agreed so uh as many uh, uh people are now venturing into uh, startups of their own after gaining experience so that brings me to our next question what advice would you have for budding entrepreneurs especially in the field of cyber security also now that the startup ecosystem of the country is evolving at a good pace what advantages and hurdles do you foresee for them so um, from a very indian perspective india based perspective i would say you know trying to start your own companies is you think very hard long and hard about it please uh if you're able right now if you're able to hold down a steady job then that's what you should focus on um probably not the best time to take too many risks um having said that you know i think there is space for certain very specific uh, niche uh, services i mean especially if you're going to try and build a strong digital brand for your for yourself um then this would be a good time i mean if if you, let's say you're good at 
web application security, this would be a good time to start webinars and podcasts and free online training sessions and and so on and so forth. So you could actually build a very strong brand name around yourself uh, focused on on a specific niche. This is a very good time to do. Unfortunately, if you've lost your right. job, then yes, uh, this might be a good time to try and build a personal uh, brand for yourself. It'd be actually a good time to try and build your own uh, brand, you know, uh, do online trainings, webinars, podcasts, um, and, you know, um, work work on those lines that might this might be a good idea. Um, I was giving the example of web application mm-hmm. security as such. Um, yeah, I mean, you could also experiment with building a new product, you know, because again, like I said, like 2000, 2001, now would be a good time where you'd actually get co-founders, you'd get good product developers uh, who as uh, many are in- affected, but also be out, out of a job. Uh, so you could look at those aspects as well. Uh, okay. For existing entrepreneurs, I think uh, I was just thinking through this and I think uh, an interesting way to address the challenges that we are all facing is to look at four C's. Uh, so the first C I would first say is C. cash. Uh, you know, cash is king. Uh, do whatever you can to conserve cash. Uh, we, for example, have uh, shut down two or three of our smaller offices. Uh, you know, we've, uh, uh, you know, uh, cut down whatever other non-payroll costs that we could. We've not let go of anybody in the company um, as a result of uh, any cost-saving measure. But everything else that we could do, we've, we've tried to do that to the maximum. So we've squeezed as much efficiency as we could out of our existing operations. Uh, with cash, uh, under the umbrella of the idea, cash also comes collection. So focus a lot on collection. So that's the first C, I would say for any existing business, which is cash. Conserve as much cash as you can to weather the storm, then you can always use that to grow and rebuild parts of your business again. The second C I would say is uh, culture. I think this is a good time to actually relook at the company's culture, uh, bond again with your employees, bond again with uh, people across the board, with your colleagues, you know, and, and, and create more open channels of communication. So it might be a good time to because people are going through a lot of anxiety. They don't know whether they'll be able to hold on to their job, whether somebody in their family might fall ill. Uh, the overall socio-economic environment, political environment is depressing. So this would be a good time to actually try and uh, build stronger bonds uh, with people across the company. So I think it's a good time to look at culture. The third C I would say is uh, change. Um, might not be a bad idea to look at uh, changing some parts of your business, you know, some lines of business aren't doing too well. You could, uh, you know, uh, reduce your focus on that. You could create new lines of business. Um, For example, we've come out with a package for, uh, you know, cybersecurity assessment for the remote workforce. So I think these are all ideas. So that's change uh, in different parts of your business could be good. And the fourth uh, C I think is compassion, which is you could, you should extend a compassionate view even to your customers because at the end of the day, they're part of the extended family of your company. Um, and, you know, so so being more in touch with the key clients and uh, understanding their problems, um, even if, if it means that they're asking for uh, discounts on, on contract renewals, uh, you know, looking for a win-win even in those sorts of situations. So I think those are four uh, key elements of trying to figure out, uh, figure our way out of this current uh, chaos. Completely agree, KK. So cash, culture, change, and compassion towards clients. Very right. well. 
So I guess we can move on to our next question. And that is, you have been a strong advocate of creating talent in the cybersecurity market. What is your message for the aspiring cybersecurity professionals wanting to make a career into this field? So, um, you know, if you're starting out in cybersecurity, my advice to everybody is to just be very uh, open-minded. You know, don't go into this thing, yeah, I'm only going to write web app security and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to look at network security and, and log analysis and that's not so much fun. Everything is fun actually in cybersecurity. Um, and the best value that comes from you in any situation is where you bring your tech knowledge across the board, across different functions, different aspects, different parts of the, uh, uh, you know, network, different parts of the stack and combine it with a risk understanding, a regulatory uh, framework understanding. And that's when you're really able to deliver good value. So I think at this point you should like, if you're starting out, you should be like a spawn. You should absorb influences from, from the risk management field, from web app, mobile app, network security, you know, what have you. So you should not limit yourself to a very specific domain at the start of your career. You'll always have a chance to do that a uh, couple of years down the line when you've uh, seen everything and said, hey, this this particular aspect is what I'm most passionate about. And then uh, you could always specialize more uh, in that. Uh, so that's one thing I would just the second thing I would say is that there is massive amounts of uh, free information. Uh, there is uh, multiple ways in which you could actually make uh, a living. Uh, for example, you could get good at bug bounties and make a decent living off of that. Um, there's also stuff that you could do in terms of online trainings. So you could do a bunch of, you could, you could start running your own programs and things like that. A lot of online stuff available and uh, you could access all of this content. Just keep an open mind, just go look out for influences everywhere and, and, and try and absorb as much as you can and learn across the board, learn up and down the technology stack. Um, and how, that's how you'll be able to uh, use this time actually to, to to build a better profile. And since now people have a lot of time, they can uh, dedicate some time to learn new things, which will improve their chances of uh, getting a good career in this field. Exactly. I mean, even if you have a full time job, you can still take some time out and try and uh, learn new stuff. Yeah. Correct. So now, uh, Let's move on to our next question and which is quite interesting actually with the new uh, trends coming up uh, like TikTok and others. So with the recent news cropping up about the dangers of contact tracing features of many apps, what's your take on the state of data privacy in the country? India is uh, blowing hot and cold when it comes to data privacy. Um, I not a big fan of big data in hands of big government. I think it uh, puts too much power, concentrates too much power uh, into centralized uh, location, and um, you know it can it can always create uh, uh, issues for individuals uh, who may have a viewpoint that differs from the government of the day. Um, I think the way Google and Apple are trying to fix this in terms of building the uh, APIs that uh, is, is a better solution where it's anonymously updated instead of uh, I would even say apps like uh, Arogya Situ which capture a fair bit of private information and mm -hmm. 
you know, as the government says that they will be deleting all of this data after an X number of days, if that be the case, and if it's a secure deletion and secure storage, then it's fine. But his, history has shown that whenever there are large data sets and their servers and the servers are connected to the internet, which is always the case, that data will eventually at some stage uh, get leaked. Um, and we saw a recent case of that with the with you know uh, some of the apps and and service providers in India. So that risk is actually always there. A simple uh, regular expression-based search on the internet can reveal a lot of dumps of Aadhaar card data. So for me, you know, um, there is always the risk that any government will use the current pandemic to implement more authoritarian uh, measures which it would have hesitated during normal times. And while many of us will agree that though some of those measures are required, uh, governments are uh, often wary of um, withdrawing those measures once the force of the pandemic uh, ceases. So um, it is a cause of concern, no doubt about it. So uh, do you suggest that we read the privacy policies of the apps that we are downloading, maybe social media or something, or do you have any quick tips that you can suggest that anyone can just, you know, uh, use to prevent any kind of data leak? I don't know what good will come from uh, reading the privacy terms and conditions. Because if it's if it's something if it's an app that you do want to use, for example, Facebook, then uh, you you will end up agreeing. So it's what we call surveillance capitalism, right? I mean, your uh, your data is is the product, and if you want to use that service, then uh, you, then you have to forsake uh, certain elements of your privacy. Um, so with that, I think my suggestion would be to expose yourself as less as possible. For example, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. Um, I have an Insta account, but I, I don't have the app and I don't log in from anywhere else and I should probably delete that uh, account. Um, so I'm basically on Facebook and Insta, I, I am not active or don't use it at all. Uh, but I do use Google. I use an Android phone and, uh, you know, well, Google's Google's business model is also built on hoovering in uh, gigatons of data and then processing it and then uh, serving you the right ads. So I think it's a fact of life that we live in and there are different threat models. If you're a privacy activist and or you're a social activist and you know you're, you want to organize a protest protest against the government of some sort, um, obviously, then you'd have to be extremely careful about what you do with your phone and which apps you have and things like that. Uh, so it's getting it's getting uh, murkier, I would say, as as we go along. It's not, true. and also you have to realize that there will always be a balance between individual privacy and uh, national security. But at the end of the day, you don't want an extreme situation where, you know, in in the name of national security. Uh, we're left with not even a shred of uh, privacy. You know, that that would go against um, all basic elements of uh, you know uh, human rights. So, so let's see if we get to a GDPR type setup in India. But at this stage, uh, it's only a draft law, and it's still it's been fairly watered down in the current version. It again gives the government uh, a wide uh, range of powers to call for uh, information from any service provider at any point of time uh, without much uh, checks and balances. 
True. And as they say that data is the new oil, so I guess we got to live with this. Yeah. Okay. So I, we can move on to the questions that uh, some of our registrants had posed. Uh, I'll just come to the first question. So the first question was, how can organizations and individuals ensure cybersecurity while working remotely? So we did an interesting webinar with some uh, chief information security officers uh, from some of the leading organizations and uh, you know some interesting aspects came up. In my view, uh, the first component is probably um, you know the basic cybersecurity hygiene, like I said. So Endpoint has always been ground zero for almost all cybersecurity attacks in the last few years. Um, so it's very important that we protect endpoints. Um, stuff that we've always done with 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 our endpoints inside the network needs to be even more closely monitored and ensured as the endpoints have moved out. So, for example, patching, antivirus, uh, control of installed software, um, you know, USB access. These sorts of what you would call basic security hygiene is extremely important to take into account. The other thing is in terms of um, you know, VPN and VDI security, virtual desktop interface security, very important to assess the uh, security levels over there. Uh, you could also look at expanding your DLP implementation, uh, but you know, DLP comes with its own plethora of issues, huge number of false positives, complicated rules and things like that. But for at least for medium sized organizations, I would say endpoint security, uh, user awareness, increasing user awareness, um, also, um, for administrators, multi-factor authentication, for all email access, multi-factor authentication, these are, uh, I would say, almost non-negotiable elements of uh, security today. We also advise clients to not just tell people about uh, cybersecurity awareness from a corporate uh, perspective, but also from uh, you know the individual perspective, like how do they keep their families secure, how do they keep their kids secure, uh, those sorts of concerns, if you address, you know, you'll get more resonance from people uh, when you want to send them uh, the message about corporate security. Okay, so the next question is about uh, remote security assessment and remote security monitoring. So someone has asked about what tools and techniques uh, can be used for these. Like I said, you know, um, You'll have your centralized patch management, centralized antivirus, so monitoring that more closely, making sure that the trend of compliance of patches and, and virus definitions doesn't go down, uh, monitoring uh, installed software on the endpoints. All of that is important. Uh, we've seen some interesting use cases when it comes to VPN. For example, uh, if the geo IP, geo location of uh, logins for the same user differs within the same day or within two days, um, because nobody's traveling, right? So that's one thing uh, that could be an alarm. Another uh, use case could be some organizations have created is to uh, look at logins only from within the same country because they don't have users outside the country. So they actually block all uh, logins from outside the country. Another interesting use case that some organizations we, we work with have uh, built is also that uh, not only looking for failed logins for the same user account, but looking for failed logins across user accounts. So somebody, if somebody is doing like a spray and a prey attack, you know, where they're using the same password across multiple user accounts, then you would see failed password attempts 
but the username would be different for each. Uh, usually we look for failed logins for the same username, but in this case it would be failed logins across uh, usernames. Um, besides, I would also look at this from a different aspect. I would also look at it from the aspect of, um, you know, looking at um, building more resilience within the organization. So looking at situations where there has been a leak and then seeing uh, what happens. Um, and how is your organization going to respond and react and, and, and build uh, trust uh, back again from those sorts of situations. Uh, so these are these are the things that we should look at. Uh, ransomware is 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 on the rise, so uh, increase user awareness. I also see business email compromise uh, attacks increasing, so it might make sense to uh, you know multi-factor authentication for all email accounts, increasing um, awareness amongst the uh, finance team because uh, nowadays banks are accepting a lot of instructions over email, so a single email from a compromised finance person's uh, mailbox would would result in you know millions of dollars of loss. Quite right. And uh, what do you think is the future of cloud security now? As more and more companies are. Yeah, I mean, uh, cloud is uh, obviously going to become like uh, the default computing platform, right? It was already cloud was coming in a big way and all the organizations that had any level of resistance left to adopting the cloud would now all that resistance is basically gone. Uh, so cloud adoption is going to increase, uh, you know, in leaps and bounds. Uh, it's going to become the de facto uh, way of doing things. Already it was happening in, in, a, in quite a big way. And with that, it brings its own security challenges. Like uh, we've seen cases where massive amounts of data is left unprotected on S3 buckets. Those sorts of attacks are very prevalent. We worked with many organizations to help test their exchanges and uh, uh, you know, uh, investigate if there have been breaches. So. Uh, I, I see cloud, mobile, APIs, containers coming in a very, very big way. And then at some stage, uh, blockchain and then IoT is different. IoT is probably going to come also in a big way because of cost cutting. People will look at more automation, industrial automation, things like that. Right. What, in your opinion, will be the new work culture? I think in terms of uh, cultural change, uh, we'll all get used to working uh, from home for sure. Uh, like our organization was always wary of instituting a, a global work from home uh, policy, but now we have and we're, we're very happy uh, with the way things are. We would not want to necessarily promote people commuting long hours to come to office. So I think we're going to probably be uh, living with this sort of a setup and, and thriving on this sort of a setup uh, in, in months and years to come. We definitely not want to risk uh, people's uh, health and safety by forcing them to come to work if they don't really need to come to work. Uh, many of us, of course, are missing work. I, for one, <laughs> coming back to office, uh, you know, especially with two toddlers around, it's uh, very high stress uh, keeping them away from from the video and from coming into the room. But uh, but yeah, I mean, and of course we miss interacting with people. I mean, we are all humans, so we miss that. Uh, many of us uh, would want to come back, shake hands, maybe give a few hugs around and, and you know, uh, see other human beings and talk to them and laugh and maybe fight and argue and have coffee. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, having said that, large volumes or large numbers of people will continue to work uh, from home, at least for the next 
maybe year maybe two years until a vaccine comes out and and the situation changes so this is definitely going to be the new normal uh, with in terms of being able to collaborate through video conferencing and other channels correct and the companies will also be able to eff- efficiently use their capital now that uh, many people don't have to come to offices so their expenses will also reduce that's right so i guess that's it so i thank every one of you thanks anurag thank you yeah thank you everyone okay. stay safe bye bye you too everybody bye. stay safe